Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog, um, an absolute clown account, according to Twitter.com. Um, I'm still wait, refusing well, it to call it. You're a clown wait. account, or mine's a clown account? Uh, wait, the podcast one. Yours right. isn't. The blog account's not. The, the blog, what, what did you describe it as earlier this week? What were the, the kind of parliament, the, you're the, you're the provisional wing. arm? Yeah. The provisional arm of the, uh, of the blog. We've got plausible deniability for almost it, everything cool. you say. <laughs> so there you can hear joining me tonight. We've got Rory Baldwin, editor of the blog. Good evening, Rory. Hi, how are you? Rory's the one that um, just sometimes accidentally gets kind of dragged into um, the fun that Johnny and I have on Twitter. Sometimes I drag myself into it. I also get called Cammy quite a lot. I think people like the podcast obviously is relatively recent in terms of some things and people forget that because obviously the site doesn't do as, as much it, we're, we're quite active now uh, during the world cup but we've gone through periods of inactivity and so i think people just assume that it's just the podcast and nothing else and, and you are you are everything i i wish i was rory i'm, I'm certainly not i'm certainly not some irish people's everything this week and we'll come no. on to that later <laughs> yeah. um Johnny and I, Johnny and I may have restarted the troubles. The way things are going, yeah. Um, well, we've so, uh, we've this not between not the two, for like three days. The two different factions. I've certainly seen some pictures. Yeah, yes, there have been some pictures. And um, Craig Manson is is on his way. He's getting his tea. Um, if you are watching us at the minute, you'll be watching us live on uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, or Facebook. Um, you can also sign up for our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast. And for £3 a month, uh, you help us put this out live, um, as among some other things. And you also get a bonus weekly podcast as well, where we we talk, go in a bit more detail about some of the things that have been going on and, and talk a little bit more widely about um, the world of rugby as well. It's been a busy week. This week, we've got lots to talk about. Um, we've got Scotland and Ireland at the weekend. We, we'll go through Scotland-Romania as well, such as there's, there's not a lot to analyse there, um, such as it was. Um, but most importantly, what we should talk about, Rory, is Scotland's win over Spain at the weekend in the warm-up for the WXV2. I have to say that yeah. slowly to make sure I get all the letters and all the numbers in the right place. Yeah, um, which is the it's kind of middle-tier middle, middle tier version of whatever the WXV is, which is yes. happening somewhere else. So so for people that um, are new to this, because we've got a lot of new listeners over the Rugby World Cup, what has happened with uh, in women's rugby, because you don't have the kind of, uh, I suppose, the embedded traditional touring schedule of the men's game, uh, they've done something different. I suppose it's a little bit really like they've been trying to do with the men's game for years, which is kind of bring a, an annual competition and a bit of structure to things. So... Depending on where teams finished in the Six Nations, depending on where teams finished up in other competitions, we have a three-tiered competition that will take part place every autumn. There is the WXV, um, which is all the top-tier teams. We've got New Zealand, Wales, England, France are in there. We've got the WXV2, which Scotland are in. Um, so we've got Japan, uh, South Africa, United States. United States, yeah. Um, and then um, you've got the WXV3, which is uh, Italy and some uh, Pacific nations and some others who I forget uh, are in the WXV3. So um, what I think was was interesting, Roy, it was Spain at the weekend. 
Um, 30, uh, 35.5. I've got that score right. 36.5. That was, I just, I literally just finished watching the highlights to remind myself what happened in the game. Um, but I forgot to write down the score. Um, I think what was interesting for me is that Scotland have struggled against Spain in the past. Oh, here's Craig. Craig's going to jog. I'll slowly bring Craig on while, 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 we, while we start talking about this. But um, so Scotland have struggled against Spain in the past, I think. And so for me, what this game showed is just how far this this kind of Scotland women's team have come because it's all very well, I think, in the Six Nations and you kind of compare yourself to, you know, Scotland ran Wales close, would beat Ireland quite convincingly, beat Italy and, you know, struggle against France and England as, as you'd expect. But it's was a test against teams outside of the Six Nations really shows where 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 they've got to. Yeah, and I mean, I think it was uh, you could tell that from probably uh, the first half, maybe the first half hour, certainly that it was um, it was the first sort of game of their their season, if you like, as the as the as the women's team. Um, it was a little bit sort of scrappy. There was. Um, you know, there were a lot of balls going to ground and things like that. And I think you you would almost have thought, okay, well, these two teams are, are sort of about the about the same level. But I think in the second half, Scotland definitely pulled away. Uh, the things that they were trying were sticking more. Um, there was some there was some good uh, good set piece from the from the forwards and um, yeah, the backs, particularly the centres, were were impressive. And Craig, um, Craig Manson's joined us. Hello, Craig. Hello, how are you doing? Have you had your tea, Craig? Uh, no, no. Straight in from the uh, straight in from the uh, the training pitch, um, battling the weather, and uh, so just got straight on here. So uh, nothing yet. I've got a drink of juice. That's about it's it. It's on its it's on its way, no doubt. Um, we just saying, Craig. Obviously, Scotland, uh, Spain at the weekend, and I was just making the point to Rory that I think it, it was a good test of where Scotland have got to because in the past they've struggled against Spain, and, and obviously it's mm. kind of hard to kind of chart progress in the Six Nations because you kind of keep pace with a lot of the other teams apart from the Anglo- Englands and, 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 the, and the, the French. Um, so, for as, as Rory said, it was scrappy in the first half, but I think one of the things that showed with the Scotland team, there's two things, was, was the fitness levels to kind of really keep going in that second half, but also the patience that I think we, we haven't seen in the mm-hmm. past. I think that, that Scotland teams of old would have you know, had a nervy first half and then that those nerves might have continued in the second half. Yeah, and and you know you get you then get players, the older players or the players that are maybe the more the more superstar players trying to do it all on their own, um, and that that didn't Scotland didn't look like that. Um, they looked very rest, restrained when they needed to be restrained, and then they attacked when they need to attack. Um, they have some phenomenal um, line breakers. They have some fantastic. Um, uh, they've got a lot of team members now who will make a huge difference just with little 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 parts of their game you know high pace but and Kami I don't mean to say that I told you so but when it comes to the fact of when we invest money to these and 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 give them their their contracts they concentrate on playing rugby they don't have other things to distract distract them that's the wrong word but um, they don't have to to fill. They're not just trying to play rugby for Scotland and do a job, uh, etc. They are able to concentrate on right. We're going to work on today. We're going to work on kicking today. We're going to work on passing. 
and it's all slowly but surely coming good. And and they looked a different team on the weekend. And one of the things for me, Rory, was I think the return of Rona Lloyd. Um, we missed her, I think, a lot in the Six Nations. It's not to say the players yeah. that came through. I mean, it, it was an opportunity for Francesca McGee to come through, and what you know, what a, an absolute impact she's made. But to have a back three now, who I would say, like Scotland now have a world class back three in women's rugby, you know, Lloyd, McGee and Rowley, you, you know, that's that's a class back. I mean, that, the, the try that Rona Lloyd scored particularly, you know, to be under pressure on your own try line in the scrum. And, you know, we, you, you know, obviously Rona Lloyd gets a lot of praise for, for how she's finished that off, almost running the length of the pitch. But, you know, the, the patience and the, the ball handling to get it out to her, to release her up the wing. I think that's, that's the point of difference now. We really do have genuinely world-class players in the Scotland squad. Yeah, I think, and I mean, you can see that that extra, just that little bit of extra class that that Ronald brings suddenly it kind of elevates the the backs, and obviously her ability from the from GB sevens, and to be able to to strike from from you know that position on the field inside your own twenty two, all it takes is a wee pop off the deck. She's got enough space, and she can you know she can go the go the length of the pitch. Um, which is obviously something probably you'd see a bit more in sevens. You don't often see um, kind of length of the length of the field tries, but uh, yeah, I mean, what impressed me probably was uh, was the two centres, Emma Orr and, and Meryl Smith. I thought they were both cutting really nice lines. There were some nice kind of offloads, offloads off the deck. I think it was one of them that that put Rona away for for her try. Um, and yeah, it just uh, obviously it wasn't quite working at the start. Um, there was that kind of rustiness, but yeah, once they once they kind of got things cooking a bit more, um, yeah, I think you know they they should be able to to trouble teams. But as always with Scotland teams of of any kind of stripe, uh, it's will the pack give them the give them that go forward. Obviously, they've got um, they've got Jade Conco Roberts to come back in. Um, I think she was helping Matt Banham with the water bottles on the weekend, but um, you would think she'd probably go into that team somewhere. Uh, straight straight off um, and again the more kind of the more top class players you kind of feed in brings it obviously it brings everyone else's game up but it kind of just increases the overall level of quality in the team and, and I just want to talk about obviously MR and, and Meryl Smith Craig and there was a, a couple of things I think it was um, uh, MR's second try there was an inside pop pass and even I think a first try it was a cross field kick from Helen Nelson, and yeah, you know, gathered by Chloe Rowley, and then it's recycled. But those are the kind of things, you know, when we were talking about them during the Six Nations, was that's what we need to see from the Scotland team is a bit more creativity, a bit more of those kinds of passes, not just kind of stringing passes together out to the wing and hitting it up. It was great to see them kind of mixing up a little bit and trying something different in attack. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we, if we go back, what, a year and a half, two years we were concerned because the 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 passing looked ponderous and it, when they wanted to go wide a lot of defenses could read it very very easily and now they've got this ability that you know what what we're always asking for a rugby team is that you can you you, you don't let the defense settle because you've got a, a various range of different passes different different plays and it is when you've got someone like MR, you know, you, you want to use them and, and, and look at, if uh, you know, I, I know we're talking about the women's game and I don't want to, to take anything away from it, but if you look at the Hugh Apollotu sort of 
you know, centre partnership and the ability to move the ball between them, and and they seem to know each other so well that they're that they're um, they can almost read what they're doing. You read what the the other person's doing. I think that seems to be coming through with the centre partnership um, um, with the women's team. So it's really it's quite an exciting thing to see. I think the other thing as well, Rory, is the the depth now. In, in the Scotland women's team. I think we, we saw, I think, certainly the last few years, it was a very, I mean, you would say it was a settled, you might say it's a settled side on one hand, but I also think it maybe spoke to the fact that there wasn't anybody, there wasn't much competition for places. It was the same players named every time. But, you know, you, you've got you know, Evie Gallagher in at number eight. And as you said, Jade Conco-Roberts isn't there. And there's, there's a world-class player right there that we've got. But there wasn't a significant drop-off in quality. You've got the fact that, you know, Ellis Martin, friend of the pod, coming off the bench at hooker and scoring a try and again, you know, throwing the darts. So it, there's not a drop, a significant drop off between Scotland starters and the replacements or even those that are within the wider squad pushing for places that you've got such a good pool of players now, you can almost kind of switch players in and out without having that drop off. Yeah, I mean, I look at, uh, I think it was Sarah Law, was it, was left out the original squad, but got called up this week for an, an injury. Um, you know, hugely experienced. Um, you've, again, you know, having the, having those those players who are playing kind of, I mean, most of them are now playing Premiership Rugby. We've got the two, the two girls from the sevens, just increasing the level of the training so that, you know, I mean, there are still, um, there's probably still some, some younger, less experienced players, but hanging out with these with these people and training with them it bring you know it, it brings your level on i think they're starting to show um in terms of the union that they're putting a bit more effort into the coaching setup with you know hiring a, a name from perhaps outside the the kind of sru setup in in matt banhan i mean i don't know what what like he is as a as an attack coach um but uh you know he's obviously done his coaching elsewhere so he's he's come from a different kind of a different setup than than the kind of cozy cozy sru setup you quite often see the the coaches being sort of promoted from um and i think yeah i think it's uh it's it's starting to starting to starting to bear fruit yeah and the other the other kind of impact of that craig is that you it pushes on the players that have been there for a while now it kind of if you want to keep your place you've got to raise your level yeah, absolutely, and 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 that's it's funny. I was having a conversation with someone who was who was saying, you know, uh, it must be a real shame for these 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 players that have been that have been training so hard, and then the GB sevens girls come back and they just walk back into the team, and it's like, well, no, actually, you need them to break, come in and work with the other players because they've they've experienced a lot more, a different style of coaching, a different style of play, and and I think. As as we've been talking about, it, it's it's you've we need them now. They're now professional athletes. They now need to push on and and get them drag themselves or work hard and get themselves or scale the mountain off the of 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 getting to the level of the red roses. And and it takes a little bit of work from the from the SRU. It takes a lot of work from the coaches, but really it takes a lot more work from the girls. And they're the ones now. Because of the competition that you're talking about, um, you know they're they're either going to sink or swim, and, you, and and luckily we're now at a situation where we have players in the background who are ready and waiting to take that place if they don't perform. So it's a, it sounds harsh, but that's the way of professional athletes. You know? 
I mean, the, the the fixtures are, so going into the WXV2, uh, we've got uh, Scotland, South Africa on Friday the 13th of October, uh, USA versus Scotland women on the 20th of October, uh, Italy and Scotland on, uh, it says, oh, this is, um, the problem is, you see, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at Ultimate Rugby and I shouldn't do really for these fixtures oh, uh, well. because it also says that the other game is on the 20th, they're also playing Italy on the 20th of October, now that can't be right. And then they played Japan on the 27th. One of those dates is wrong. They can't possibly be playing two teams on the 20th of October. Um, let, me, but, but, let me just see, because we've got um, I've got some new stuff. I've got a new thing on the, the blog, which is like a tournament view. We've started adding like little kind of matches so that we can tie all our ooh. posts together with. Um, so we've got we've got the tournament dates in there. So let me see. 30th September, Scotland v Spain. We've had that. Scotland, South Africa, 13th of October. USA Scotland twentieth of October and Scotland Japan twenty seventh of October. So that the, that there's an there's an errant Italy game in in the ultimate rugby <laughs> fixture yeah, list that so, I've before. Yeah. yeah, if you if you look at the the fixtures list on the the homepage of the blog, there's the tournament names above. If you click on that tournament name, you should see a list of all the yeah fixtures so for the ones that I bothered to fill we, out. We have a great question here from Josh Hunter who says, "Does the WXV two lead to promotion from WXV one, or is it solely dictated by Six Nations performance?" It is solely dictated by Six Nations performance, Josh. So in theory, um, it actually makes Six Nations, I think, a bit more competitive, Craig, because there's something to obviously. Oh, I'm not saying the Six Nations isn't competitive, but the, there's an extra incentive then to, you know, get to get to you know get as high up as you possibly can in the in the rankings because that'll determine who you play. But I was thinking about this before we came on, and actually, I think at this stage in Scotland's development as a team, the, and given what happened in the World Cup, I actually think the WXV2 is the right place for them to be to bring their game on because they, they're going to be they're there or thereabouts. These are they're playing teams they've beaten before, but have also given them some really good games, and I think they learn more from that. And they'll develop more from that than going and getting an absolute shellacking from France or England or New Zealand. Also, you know, not not to not to come, uh, you know, to to be all um, Ted Lasso here, but they've got to establish some more belief as well. And and just as you say, they need to get some wins under their belt. They need to get used to winning. Um, and I think that you know, looking at those three teams, they've got a very very good. You know, you know they've got a, a good chance of winning every single game there. So, um, you know, we that will give them a good boost going into the Six Nations, and then it's just a matter of going from there and seeing how they how they move on. The, the Six Nations will be the big test. Yeah, and and obviously, like again, for those that are new to the pod, um, we should say this: the Women's Six Nations now is out with the normal Six Nations, and I think this. That really helps, I think, with the exposure. Certainly, there was a lot more talk around the women's Six Nations this year because it wasn't competing with the men's for um, people's attention. Yeah. And I think certainly below England and France, it's extremely competitive. I mean, you've got Scotland and, and Wales are um, really in the mix. I mean, Scotland were unlucky to lose to Wales in the Six Nations. The um, Ireland are a bit of a sleeping giant if they can get their... The, the men in charge of the game to to get their act together, they, they you know they could be something. Um, so it is a in, in a way it's a bit more of an exciting competition than the men because kind of after first and second it is anybody's game. Yeah, I think and um, the point point you made about the scheduling, I think that's made a huge difference. Um, 
you know, even from just like from our point of view, if you took us as an example, it means that our focus is not split. We can focus on the on the matches. We can talk about more on the podcast. We can write articles and stuff. So if you if you sort of expand that around the the, the global game, it's not fighting for for the kind of rugby Twitter or you know social media attention, um, depending on their you know clips policy. Um, and I think yeah, it, it, it's uh, yeah, it's going to make. Again, we're going to see, you know, as the the competitive level increases, um, obviously the WXV is going to expose them to playing teams outside of the Six Nations, which I think is good. Um, that's something that is always good for for players in the men's, you know, going on summer tours and things. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it's it's only gonna it's only gonna help, and having this kind of extra level of, um, I guess that's that's what they're talking about with the World League is trying to give the Six Nations some extra kind of impetus or meaning which it, it doesn't really need but um i think in terms of in terms of perhaps spurring the spurring the union on to support the teams there's now something at stake for them rather than just you know kind of f- five games in the spring um you know so do they want their team to be playing at the top level i think the worry for me craig with the wxv tournaments um is i mean stella mills and and, and if you if you you know, want to know more about women's rugby? Um, you should follow Stella on on Twitter. She's really good at kind of covering uh, women's rugby. She'd put on today that if you want to watch these tournaments, you've got to sign up to Rugby Pass TV. Now, obviously, Rugby Pass is now wholly owned by World Rugby. It's World Rugby's um, say kind of paper of record. Is that the right way to describe it, or is it uh, or, or propaganda? The, the propaganda yeah. wing of World the Rugby PLC. Right, yeah. Um, you have to sign up to to Rugby Pass TV now. I've, if the result of that is that you get to watch it for free, I'm all for it. My worry is they're going to stick this behind a paywall, and at this point in time, women's rugby does not need a paywall. That's the last thing that women's rugby needs. Um, the the disappointing thing, I don't, you know, especially with the the, the, the women's X, XV tournament, is that there's there's nothing on free to air at all. It's access. It's a you know. Look at the the amount of hoo ha, and I'm sure we'll cover it uh, further down the line um, about being able, unable to share or to see any clips from the from the World Cup, uh, the men's World Cup at this moment in time. And there's a lot of hoo ha about that, saying you know, how we're we supposed to grow the game and how we're we supposed to take advantage of this fantastic um, tournament. Now, women's rugby is growing far quicker than men's rugby at this moment in time. We have to have it out there, letting people see what's going on, um, and and uh, ultimately attracting more sponsorship and more people to the game. And and the, you know, if we put it behind a paywall, then right at this moment in time, it is it's just not the right time for it. Yeah, the the announcement is only that it's on Rugby Pass TV. We don't yet know if you're going to have to pay for it or not, but we we shall see. We shall see. Probably we'll probably get on to. Um, some of the decisions around um, <laughs> social media and, and and sharing clips and and why that's bad um, on uh, later on in the Patreon podcast. What I would say though is, uh, Rory, one of, one of the great things about the women's Six Nations this year was the use of TikTok, and you know I, we've come off TikTok because I didn't really understand it, and um, my, my my stream was a mess. I had too many accountants in my stream, Rory. Um, yeah. so, but but the 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 use of 
social media, I think particularly in the women's game with the way the women were kind of engaging with the fans over social media was, was really quite exciting. Um, and I think that kind of goes to show how you can grow the game by viral clips and allowing people just to do whatever they want and kind of, exp- I suppose, expose it to a wider audience. Yeah. And I mean, interestingly, it's not like us really to praise the SRU, but they, you know, they are doing some quite good content on YouTube with the, with the men's um, game and, and the World Cup campaign and, you know, getting it. I mean, there's obviously the kind of cheesy bits to camera, but the, just the kind of behind the scenes stuff and actually speaking to the players in the dressing room after the after the game, you know, that's stuff that you don't normally see. Um, so I think, yeah, more stuff like that. Um, if anyone wants to come and be our TikTok intern that understands both rugby and TikTok, then give us a shout. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think I think there's there's definitely there's definitely a place for it, though, and there should there should be a place for it. Um, obviously, TikTok sponsoring the uh, Six Nations would would have helped a lot. So I guess we can only what we need is YouTube to sponsor like the Rugby World Cup or something. Yeah, and then they, then they might get everyone might get over the fact that um, nobody can share any clips of this World Cup, which yeah. brings us neatly on to uh, the World Cup. There is a World Cup going on at the minute. Not that anybody knows about it, because other than outside of ITV, you're not allowed to post any clips or, do, or say anything about it for fear of World Rugby's bots crawling your social media accounts and taking it down. Um, it is interesting, though, I suppose. And, and you know, we should talk. We, we will. Let's talk about this for, for a couple of minutes, though. But outside of the kind of rugby fan bubble, Craig, I don't think anybody knows there's a World Cup going on. I mean, my kids did a thing at school the other day, and I think the teacher just had run out of ideas and said, let's colour in a picture of England and, and talk about how they're doing this tournament. And the answer was, my, my daughter very excitedly came back from school and said, Daddy, Daddy, England have beaten Japan, you know? And I was going, ah, it's not it's not the biggest achievement in the world, but uh, fair enough. <laughs> you know, it's not, not quite what we're crowing about. Um, Colouring in a team in white would be quite an achievement. Yeah, <laughs> that would be. I think, yeah, if they were colouring a red rose, I think. But but nevertheless, it's it's not, I think I, there just isn't the, there isn't the exposure. I think if you asked anybody who wasn't a follower of rugby, is you know, is there a World Cup on, they'd go, probably not. Yeah, the funny thing about it is all the reports that we're getting from France is that the French uh, nation have absolutely and utterly grabbed a hold of this and, and have squeezed it for every single drop um, out of it. And they're, they're having a phenomenal time over there. The, the, the stadiums are all fantastic. The, 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 apart from some of the trains, the, the trains and trams being overloaded because um, some of the stadiums are outside the towns and, and people aren't leaving enough time to get into the stadiums and things like that. Everything is positive, and it's a it's it, from what we can tell, it's a it's a it's a really good atmosphere to be there. So it's a real shame that we, that can't be transferred in some way. For example, there's no we don't like ITV have got the the rugby on the TV, but there's no um, how can I put it? There's no magazine sort of style yeah. um, program. There's no rugby special. There's no. There's nothing going on. Just as you say, Cammy. It's 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 really, it's odd because if you think about it, this it's. Well, I have a my problem is that I'm immersed in rugby, so it's it, for me. I, I know what's going on, but just as you say, it's 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 it just seems odd, you know. Can you imagine 
how uh, how much less exposure it would get if they were having to play games at Casement Park, though, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> As Craig says, at least they've got the infrastructure in France. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had the, that's the thing. They had the infrastructure in two thousand and seven. I mean, they're you know, it's not much. Not much has changed. They probably learned some lessons from from that. Um, not obviously all of them. There seem to have been yeah, seems seems to have been some issues um, getting in and out of, of stadiums and stuff. And I've had a, a lot of people send me posters from around the town that say Stuart Hulk's still the captain and stuff. You know, the kind of kind of local town information boards with little with posters about each team that's going to be playing in their in their their veal. And uh, yeah, there's uh, it, it, some of the stuff's not bang up to date. Because it was presumably printed. I think if somebody was saying the, the, the other day, like the Wi-Fi network on the you know the underground in Paris is called Anton Dupont. That's what you have to look for. So they've renamed Wi-Fi networks and stuff. So there is a, there is a vibe going on. I mean, you can't. I think that's it. You do need infrastructure around the World Cup. You can't just you know, you can't run a World Cup just on cracking vibes as much as the <laughs> Irish think they could have done. It just doesn't work like that, boys. Um, I mean, the, you can't. You can't. For me. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it when we're talking about our, our ongoing Twitter war. But um, for me, you can't have a World Cup, A, where you don't really want anyone to go into the capital of the country because it's too expensive and because the hoteliers are going to gouge the hotel prices. And you you also can't do it where the biggest stadium is probably not going to host the final. I mean, are they going to host the final in the Aviva when they've got Croke Park, which can host more people? And I mean... Again, it's a polit- political thing with the stadiums and the, you know, are the public school boys allowed to use the stadium or are the, you know, is the GAA going to let you? And Croke Park is a is a big and impressive state. I was lucky enough to go there and see the uh, the Dan Parks beating Ireland game. Um, and yeah, it would be great for a World Cup final. But at the same time, you know, it would be like having the World Cup. If Scotland hosted a World Cup, would we wouldn't put the final at hand in. Just because it's supposedly a national stadium, we put it at Murrayfield because it's the. I mean, Murrayfield's bigger than Hamden's, Hamden, so it's not the greatest analogy, but it'd be like having if they did it in England and they put the final at Wembley. Surely the final will be at Twickenham. Yeah, you know? mm. yeah. So yeah, they, they, there's some there's some issues, and you know, go away, think about your bid, and we'll vote for it next time. <laughs> Probably yeah. not. Um, I mean, so there's somebody a fair point here from a Facebook user, which is somebody on our Patreon page, uh, saying, you know, compare the ITV coverage to any of the events covered by the dedicated Sky Sports channel for, the, like, for example, the Ryder Cup. I mean, the Ryder Cup's a good example because all over all over Twitter this weekend, and, I, you know, I vaguely follow golf, but not enough that my any algorithm should be telling you that I want to see more golf. I can kind of roughly check on it from time to time. But all over my... Uh, Twitter feed this weekend was just all of the incidents, all of the funny little incidents from the Ryder Cup, all of the kind of chat back, all the players having a crack at the stewards, Rory McIlroy squaring up to somebody in a car park. And that's that's how you break through, Craig. That's how you break through to people that aren't our casual kind of viewers, the one once a year during the Six Nations, I might watch on if it's in the pub kind of people and try and get them a bit more engaged is that kind of stuff. And there's been lots of that going on at the World Cup. It's just we're not able to talk about it or show it because it just gets taken down immediately. Yeah, and that's the, that's the problem when you let Blazers in charge of, give Blazers the, uh, the 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 responsibility of using TikTok and social media. You get to that point where they don't understand it and they and they end up doing something stupid like they're doing. You know, you get to a point where you've even got Wayne Barnes trying to show 
you know, you're one of your, the guy who's probably going to referee the final. Because um, England aren't getting there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, thank you. For, <laughs> and, 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 you're, and you're at that stage where he's putting something up to promote rugby and they take it down. And it's like, just so short-sighted. But you know and you what, can see it what, coming. Yeah. Everyone knew and, it was going to happen as well. But you know what's uh, sorry, I'm getting clawed at by a dog who wants to be up here on my knee. Um, but I think it's just one of those situations where they've decided that Rugby Pass is going to be their rugby TV, and and this is the way they're going to control everything. And unfortunately, it's backfired on them because it's not. They've done it far too. Again, they've done it far too quickly. Um, fair enough, you know. Well, see, the rumor the rumor is it's two national broad two national broadcasters in Ireland and France are the ones that don't want things shared on um social media. But those two national broadcasters will have come to an arrangement with somebody, whether that's the home union. I mean, it's always Ireland's fault anyway, and we'll come on to that. But um yeah. it's you you can't sign deals like that. It it just doesn't because it almost um it almost kind of undermines the broadcasters anyway because if you want more people to watch and to come to your program you need to show more clips i mean the classic one thing the, the romania game at the weekend there was a point where you know matt ferguson was in was at the back of a mall i think on the on the, on the trial line and you know you could see quite wearing a pair of uh quite dashing leopard skin leopard skin boxer shorts that's the kind of thing everyone would have been having a great time with on on twitter but as it is nobody dare post anything because otherwise it gets taken down yeah, and same goes for stills as well. Unless you yeah. happen to be in the ground and take a photograph with with your phone with an incredible zoom on it, that's the only way you're getting getting a photograph of Matt Ferguson's underpants out into the world. Yeah. Although, although they they did post um, the French government did post photos of snipers in the stadium at the <laughs> at the rugby. So I assume they're there they're there to take out anybody with gets them over a phone out to take a photograph. <laughs> He's got a telephoto lens and a Twitter account, boys. Take him out. Yeah, if he's, <laughs> if he's wearing a bib. <laughs> um, we've got a, um, Anna, a friend of the pod, says, can we see more of Craig's dog? Sorry, this can is Beatrice. Oh, Beatrice. So... It's not a real <laughs> right. dog, but it is a dog. Gonna... <gasps> oh, don't you listen to him? Is this, is this the... Is no, this yours the is a real dog. I'm just saying, I'm saying there's, a, there's a... In fact, there's two. There's a Dulux one as well. Ah, uh, right, okay. I thought, you were, well. I thought you were... You were... You know, slandering me like we slander Grant Gilchrist and his um and his uh, Dachshunds. What was the no. uh, it's the, the classic Ron Swanson quote, which is kind of like anything smaller than a is than something is a cat <laughs> and cats yeah. are useless. Well, that one, yeah, that, my, my dog would not sit on my knee. Oh, I think Cam. I think Cammy's. Uh, Cammy's. Uh, oh, he's back. No, he's he's, back. He's, I'm back he's again. I froze. There. I froze yeah. very briefly. I'm back now. Yeah. Yeah. So dogs, dogs. The dogs down now. Let's get on with the rugby. Um, Absolutely. Very briefly, let's talk about the Romania game. Um, I mean, the, the the team's out, Craig, for the Ireland game. So there's not much to be debate to be had about who who should start and who shouldn't have done. It was yeah. a it was a good showing by a lot of second choices. I thought a couple of standouts for me. I thought Ben Healy. Maybe a kind of shake, given that's his first start in a Scotland shirt, and he's obviously come off the bench against Italy. First start in a Scotland shirt did really well, I thought. Really assured. I've kind of fills me with quite a lot of confidence. I mean, you must be excited the fact he's coming to Edinburgh, but I think for Scotland, 
it kind of leaves you with that confidence we've got somebody else coming through. Yeah, and I, I think I think you know with Ben Healy, what we're doing now is we're we're solving the problems that have always been uh, kind of um, leveled at other players within the squad. So we've now got Ben Healy who can pretty much nail every kick through through the posts. Um, he is still, you know, he's 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 got a good booting on for putting it into touch. Um, and he's and he's a steadying force. He's not. He may not be the mercurial magician, stroke all the other adjectives you can uh, uh, that you can give to um, is it adjectives or verbs? Uh, adjectives um, you can give to um, to Finn Russell. But he is um, for someone that can come in and and, and do an, an exceptionally you know exceptional job. I think he's he's done a great. You know, he's, he's really, and as you see, yes, uh, I'm very excited for him coming into, coming into um, to Edinburgh. Um, the only issue we have is that when, this, you know, you think, well, actually, he'll he'll be able to cover for, Buff, you know, if Buffelli goes to Argentina, then you've got Blair King who can go to 15 and he's there, but then they're all the way to Scotland's camp. So it's going to be, um, yeah, it's who, who we've got to back up those guys. But no, I'm, I'm happy with what's going on. He's a good yeah, player. I think the other big talking point, uh, Rory, after the weekend, was whether or not Kyle Stain should start against Ireland and Darcy Graham go on the bench. I mean, for me, I still don't get the Kyle Stain thing. Look, I, I get that he scored a hat trick against Tonga or four tries against Tonga at Murrayfield, and everyone got really excited. I think he's a good player, but he's nowhere near the class of Darcy Graham, and people still seem very hung up on. He's you know he's bigger than Darcy Graham, ergo he's yeah. better in the air and he's better at tackling. I Darcy Graham's still one of our most physical players, and again against Romania he threw in some really good kind of sharp tackles to kind of take down some some Romania players. Yeah, I think it's maybe still a kind of it's still a, a sort of almost like a size um, kind of prejudice against smaller guys. We think if we're playing a physical team, Darcy's not going to be be up to it. That, um, Kyle Stain, I suppose, is is similar to. You know, Carl Stain's maybe to Darcy what um, Chris Harris is to Hugh Jones. You know, he's seen as the kind of steady option, the one who's slightly better at defending. Um, maybe okay at the technical stuff, but obviously doesn't have that that kind of magic in his magic in his feet. But um, yeah, I think you know Darcy showed not just in the, the four tries he scored, but in the you know the tries that he set up or he was instrumental in creating. Um, his form is kind of undeniable and yeah, he's not scared of, of bigger players. Uh, so why wouldn't, why wouldn't you pick him? Um, because he, he offers that, um, he offers that kind of jinking class that, that Augie had, you know, in, in his prime, which is something we need, I think in our back three, obviously Duhan has his, his merits and they are, they are legion, but, um, he, he's not particularly twinkle toed. Um, and he tends to like make his own holes rather than find his way through a hole. Yeah, and I suppose that I mean somebody put on again on Facebook at the point that um, you know Darcy with fresh legs in the last twenty. But I suppose Craig, if you haven't got the luxury if you're doing a seven-two bench, you haven't got the luxury of having Darcy off the bench. No, and and I I go all John Anderson when it comes to this something like this. Um, you have, if you look at, if you put together either a, a, North, a, a Northern Hemisphere team or even a World 15, 
and you don't seriously take a look at Darcy Graham as one of your wingers. He is, for me, he is probably top three wingers in the world at this moment in time. Why do we? Why are we then having a discussion about putting him on the bench? You bring him out and you play him on the wing and you play him every time when you can. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Kyle Stein. Kyle Stein has done a fantastic job and he is, a, he is a, a very good player in his own way. But Darcy Graham, if Darcy Graham's fit, he starts for Scotland and that's the way it is. Um, he is, uh, and I don't understand the conversation about it. Yeah. I mean, the... Um... We should look then at the team for the weekend. Um, so it's pretty much full noise, Rory, um, 1 to 15. Um, Blair Kinghorn is getting his 50th cap at 26. Yeah, which is... That's that's to me, given, given Hoggy had, you know, had, had an iron grip on that for a while, it's kind of fair play to Blair Kinghorn for getting 50 caps, <laughs> you know, at the age of 26. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hoggy around. And to think that most of them are probably not in his best position either. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, I mean, think he'll, he'll couple probably... A of early ones on the wing, I think, and then, yeah, he's had a few at fly half as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that that's about as strong a uh, first 15 as you could pick. Um, obviously, there are question marks, perhaps, over whether he should have gone with Ben White over Ali Price. Um, he's gone with Price, who obviously has done good things for him in the past three test lie and Ali Price let's not forget you know he does have some form but the, I guess the question is is he is he picking on reputation which is something that Tooney's going to be guilty of in the past and we've almost got to the stage certainly I mean you look at that back line you can't really argue against any of them being in there um, in terms of you know in terms of experience or form um, the pack is pretty much the the first choice. Um, there's maybe some discussion about the second second rows. Um, I think it's the bench possibly where it looks a bit sort of iffy. I don't know. I don't know what the word is. It, it just makes me the bench makes me a little bit uneasy. I think the thing that's it's worth kind of just talking about Ali Price for a bit. I think the thing for me, Craig, is that Ben White has you know Ben White's been you know exceptional for Scotland. They've really come through and really kind of nailed nailed the number nine shot. I think in the last few games. There's been a few wobbles, so I can understand. I don't think you're weakening nine right now at this time by bringing Ali Price in and having George Horn off the bench. I think there is a bit. Ali Price maybe has a bit of nous about him. I don't think Ben White's at, in the form he has been in the past right now. That means that you couldn't switch him up for Ali Price, and you would see a difference. Yeah, I, th- I think. I think. You're right. I think um, you've got a more steady hand with Ali Price. I think um, you, you know it's 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 almost going back a few years, saying right, well, who are you going to start on? You know, for for the big game against England. Well, we're going to put Greg Laidlaw on the bit, you know, on the game because he can control the game and he can, you know, he's a good he's a good game, he has good game management, etc. My only problem is that Ali Price just seems to be a little bit. Too slow nowadays, and 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 we don't. The conversation can be had about whether we're we're getting quick ball from the from the rucks because of the forwards, um, and Ali Price would speed up if we're getting quicker ball through the forwards. But I'm I'm just 
I think he's play he's very good at playing Tooney's game plan, whereas maybe Ben White and George Horner maybe a little bit young still and the and they and they go off and do their own thing um a little bit, whereas Tooney, you know, Tooney wants the nine to be very, very prescriptive, I think. But oh, you could debate it all day, I suppose. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think the the reason that White got the pick was because he was playing like kind of Lions Ali Price and Lion, and Lion, and Ali Price wasn't. Yeah. You know, he was he was giving that kind of measure of steadiness but with the the speed of pass that we know, you know, Scott and Thrive on. Mm. Ali I thought played, you know, he was he was zipping the passes away against Romania. Admittedly it was Romania and we didn't really get challenged at the the breakdown much. Yeah. Um if he can do that, but it's an if and we don't really want too many ifs going into the game. Yeah, I mean, there's a question about whether or not it should be Rory. Uh, sorry, um, whether it should have been Mish on the bench rather than Luke Crosby. I guess. I mean, you know, Mish had a great game against Romania, no doubt, but ultimately, Craig, it's against Romania. Yeah, and 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 you know, and this is, I can't. This is a very difficult conversation to have because of because of Mish and the, and 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 who he is and 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 what he has done for Scottish rugby. But he's now at the point where, if you look at where we are with our back rowers, we need them to be incredibly aggressive. We need them to be big lads. Um, we need them to be go go forward players. And I think that's what Luke Crosby brings. He brings a very very hard hard edge to the game. Um, and if you if your forwards are going through the mill a little bit, you want to turn around and say, "I need this. I need a player on um, that's going to do," you know. What's the word? It's going to give bring a hard edge and come out and put some collisions in, and that's what you'll get from uh, Luke Crosby. You know, I think that was the frustrating thing after the Romania game, Rory, for me, and it, it, just the kind of the the poor, the kind of lack of quality analysis on ITV was everybody. You got Geach, John Barkley, and and Jim Hamilton. And, you know, I do rate John Barkley's and you know his analysis. You know, just talk about Mish needs to come back in. Ali Price needs to come back in. The players that everybody who's watching this know, you know, know need to come mm. back in. And there's not really any kind of understanding or analysis of the the uh, the you know the the younger players, the players that, as Craig said, might be bring a point of difference that people might know about. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you look at you look at the back row. Um, Richie's the captain. He's obviously starting, provided you know his he's recovered from his his head knock. Darge is comfortably the informed seven. And Dempsey is the the informant. You know, there's no. You can talk about bringing mission, but who who are you going to get rid of out of that out of that group? Um, I think they're they're pretty well balanced. I mean, you could Darge would almost be a like for like swap, but I you know I don't think we we've seen enough from from um, from Hamish kind of over the you know that was that one performance against Romania. He looked like he was back to his best, but it was against Romania. And we haven't seen that mish for quite a while. Um, whereas Darge has been Darge has been doing what he needs to do. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, for me, I'd rather have an extra back on the bench. But I guess they're just they know Ireland are going to come at us hard, so they're trying to kind of he- uh, hedge their bets against that. I guess. Yeah, and I suppose Craig, the thing as well with this Scotland team, what we've seen so far in the World Cup, and I suppose my worry against. Ireland, although we're clearly going to win. Um, and, you know, obviously this is Johnny Sexton's last international game, as we've established, um, <laughs> is our attack being isolated at the breakdown. 
And I think that's still a problem that we haven't fixed yet. And it's not something that I saw any evidence we were fixing against Romania and Tonga. And that's my big worry against Ireland. And we, you know, there was a, I was watching back some of the highlights from the Six Nations game against Ireland at Murrayfield and it was happening time and time again. You've got a runner running into Irish defence and there's nobody there to clear out and there's cans coming over onto the ball from the Irish side and it's a penalty for holding on. And that's my, I think that's my worry for this weekend. The, 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 the back row and the, the, the forwards are going to have to be so hot on that and, and you're going to have to have a lot of support. Yeah, the, the, the big issue for me is this, is that the referees are not refereeing the, the breakdown. Um, and what we're, they're automatically looking for a lift from the player putting their hands forward. They're too busy looking at the player coming in to take the ball, um, to jackal the ball, to not actually be looking at the players rolling away. And what Ireland are doing at the moment is they're, they're, they're the tackler and also the support player are coming through the ruck and they're they're falling down and they're taking a very, very long time to roll away. Uh, and it's borderline illegal. Um, and where, what's happening is that they're getting out of the way just before the hand goes up for the penalty. And so the support players from Scotland, if they are actually there on time and when we're expecting them to be, they can't get their foot placement in to, to, to drive through the ruck. Um, and so I just, it's, 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 don't get me wrong, it's inspired by whomever's coaching the um, the defence for Ireland. Um, but for me, they're, they're, they're very, very close to just being penalised for not rolling away regularly. Um, and so it's it, it's just one of those situations where they found this chink in our armour, and they and they've been and they've, they've used it quite well. So uh, the the thing um, I suppose with this Rory is we've got to think now as we come to the end of the podcast, kind of you know what does Scotland need for this weekend, and it's a mathematical nightmare because we've got to work out all the different permutations. But essentially, Scotland need to. Deny, wait, beat Ireland and deny them a bonus point of any sort. That would be the the ideal. That's it's, the ideal. It's not the funniest possible, but it's pr- I guess the most the most likely. The, the ideal that we just beat them by eight points or more, and they don't mm. get a losing bonus point. We'd go through. The next scenario is if they get a try bonus point. And a losing bonus point, we have to get a try bonus point, and I think even then we're still screwed, right? Mm, yeah. So I think there's only if one get, point. If in they it. get two points, yeah, yeah. If they get and two points, we're screwed. We're screwed. So then we have to. If they get a try bonus point, we have to get a try bonus point and deny them a losing bonus yeah. point. Mm. Yeah. In that scenario, so we have to get four more points than them, basically. Yeah. Four more match, so match points. The the, the funny team. outcome, as I think, is is we get a try bonus point and deny them a losing bonus point. Yeah. 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 Any, any or, of those are. No, well, no. There is, I want, yeah. I know that, isn't it the scenario? Isn't the scenario? No, we can't. So we can't. As long as can't. the points difference is greater than four in that situation. Or, and here's, the, here's the, the funny outcome, though, I believe is that we get a try bonus point, deny them a losing try bonus point, but they get a try bonus point, and then we, bo- we both go through at the expense of South Africa. If the score is yeah, big enough, a, I mean, on, on, on Kev, Kev Miller's um, ginormous table that is now globally famous, there is only one 
where Scotland and Ireland go through, there's only one possibility, and that's the we get five match points, they get one, and the the total the points difference that is used um, is is greater than twenty one. Our points difference over Ireland. It's greater than twenty one, yeah. So that's so that, that has to be that has to be a try bonus point. That's for them. the match fixing scenario. That there's how Africans are all bumping. <laughs> the, the, this the, the actual paid professional journalists have asked. Yeah, Pete Horn had to come out and discuss it and, it's a, and, 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 and deny it. And it's like, come on, people, it's crazy. Yeah. He said, I mean, he said he was briefed before the press conference. I wonder what that conversation was. Pete, you're going to get asked saying. the question on Max Fishing. Um, say, no, we haven't discussed it. And Gregory Townsend and Andy Farrell have never met. Yeah. First rule of match fixing, don't talk about match fixing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unless it's a double bluff, Craig. Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk yeah, about yeah, it, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. everyone will poo-poo it, and then it'll happen, and we'll go, ooh. Um, <laughs> I suppose, at the end of the day, what has been a, to kind of sum up the end of this part of the podcast, there's been a lot of talk online about data, about form, about Alan's run, uh, Johnny Sexton's record against Scottish teams. I think he's on a 26-game winning streak. I think we've seen, though, upsets can happen, and if there's a team at the World Cup and there's a team that's done upsets in the past few seasons, it's Scotland. You know, we've beaten France away. We've racked up some quite big scores against England. There was that th- the, the famous 35-35 all draw. I think Rory, you've watched back recently. Oh, I watched that this week because, because I needed... I mean, in and of itself, it, it's amazing up to about 77 minutes or 78 minutes. If you switch it off, then it's quite a good game. But um, just to remind myself that very occasionally crazy things do happen in yeah. games of rugby um it is possible we don't we so rarely see it the number of times that we've gone into six nations and things dreaming about this that and the next thing and you know our hopes are cruelly dashed within about 20 minutes of the first game let's look at the 2019 world cup where ireland did it to us our team completely failed to turn up you know yeah. but at the same time sometimes really crazy stuff happens and you get things and, and things switch and and you know it's, it, it, this for Scotland to win this game, every single person on the team's got to have the game, you know, got to play at their absolute peak for eighty minutes, and that's not that's not impossible. It's not that far fetched that they do that. Things just and sometimes things just click, Craig. I mean, I was, you know, looking back earlier at the you know the Glasgow twenty nineteen game against Leinster where it was you know thirty five. 10 or something like that and George Horn scored loads of tries and Johnny Gray put in 43 record breaking 43 tackles these sometimes with the team things do just click and this Scotland team have got it in them yeah we're due it we're due a, a mm. win against Ireland um, it's been a while and and we're better to do it than at a World Cup um, I don't know I I I, I the problem is, I as we've all talked about, we get carried away. We start talking about things, and then all of a sudden, we realise that actually we scored all those tries and all those points against Romania, um, and and we have to think, well, actually, we and and it wasn't like at the first wee while against Romania, it wasn't clicking either, um, and you know, we just have to be careful. Um, I, I 
I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to the game. I think we're going to have an opportunity to do something, and I would like to keep to shut some mouths up a little bit. Um, but I just every so often my head then kicks in and goes, actually, you know, that Ireland look absolutely superb at this moment in time. So, you know, we'll I, have and to that's see. the thing. I don't think they do. I I genuinely don't think Ireland do look that's superb at the minute. I don't think they've had a proper test yet. I think which, they, they, which, they, they fluked their way to that win past South Africa because South Africa missed all those penalties. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't think um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that this South, well the thing is with the South Africa game, um, what was more impressive to me wasn't the fact of the scoring or anything. It was the, it was the physicality and I, I hate Constantly going on, being like sound like Jim Allen talking about physicality, but the the the, the hits, the, the 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 hard work that was done from both teams was quite staggering, and I guess that for me is 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 something that I'm quite uh, taken aback by, and I'm quite impressed with. So maybe that's what's fueling my um, my. Uh, what's the word? My tip of the tip of the hat to Ireland, but um, of course we're. You know they're not going to mark Finn Russell at all. Um, he's going to run riot, and then Johnny Sexton's going to get sent off for holding on to his head when he shouldn't off, and something like that. And then we'll go from there. That's the dream, yeah. though. That's that. That is the dream. I think. Really. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I mean, and and one thing that actually what I did find quite hopeful about the Romania game was, you know, we've seen games like that where Scotland are clearly supposed to, you know, if we want to be at the level of South Africa and Ireland, we have to go out in a game like that and put eighty points on them. And there were some moments in that game where it looked like we might fall off the pace and not, but actually our second string went out and put 80 points on them. They looked like they had a game plan that was pretty similar to the game, that game plan that the, you know, the first team play, which is not always the case. Sometimes, you know, you put on a different 10 and suddenly the the style changes. It's consistent. You know, they, they were playing like Scotland. They went out and ultimately they did the job. Um, they also, the main the main team stuck with South Africa for a good forty five minutes. I think if I mean I haven't you know Ireland Irish podcasts aren't going to talk about it, but I have seen some neutral ones talking about perhaps the weakness could be the Irish front row. Craig would know better than me, but um, our first choice front row is pretty strong. I guess again again it's the same as with South Africa. Can they withstand the, the changes off the bench? But there, there are, as you say, there are there are little chinks of chinks of hope that we must cling to. There is always hope, as a yeah, wise absolutely. man once said. Um, so that's it for this week's podcast. We'll be back next week with a review of the Ireland game. Despite some people on Twitter saying we wouldn't be, we will be back to review the Ireland game and talk about. Look forward to the quarterfinal against. By the looks of it, we'll be playing New Zealand. Um, so we look forward to previewing that match uh, and paying tribute to Johnny Sexton after his uh, final international game. For and the moment, though, and if you're watching live on the Patreon, stick around for the Patreon podcast. For the moment, that was goodbye from me and goodbye from Craig and Rory. Bye. Bye-bye.